everybody, and welcome to episode two of Journey Through Gorilla Island. I'm your host, Zig, and joining me is... Sarah Flan. Barry. Emma G. Before we get started, uh, we just want to thank everyone for all the support that we've gotten from episode one. Like, we were really blown away by the amount of people that listened to us, the great feedback that we gotten. Yeah, just the general, like, vibes. It's cool to see people who were there from the beginning, watching PWG, and just being so really thankful that there's people talking about the early days and like you can tell how much it means to them and you know how much it means to us to be doing this I think it's just it's it's great to see and it really gives us that boost and makes us really excited to even delve deeper into the archives and hopefully we can deliver on the on the hype after that first episode so I hope people are excited pressure makes diamonds yeah yeah it really does and there's a lot of pressure on we're surprised as well by the Mm. amount of people who listened so thank you very much. Uh, we don't expect many of you to hang around. <laughs> Especially when they get to know us personally. Oh God, yeah. like, those guys, yeah. not a chance. But please do hang around. Yeah. Yeah. We're not running you off, we're not trying to do that. We Try to do. stomach us as long as you can. <laughs> yeah. And we want to give a special shout out to our number one fan, Toby the Dog, um, and his owner, Alice, who was the first person to email us. Uh, so thank you for that, and I'm sorry you are now on a sex offenders register. <laughs> that's, that's the risk you take emailing a minor. The email for anyone who also wants to get on the register, or already is, um, is <laughs> gorillaisland at gmail.com. May we get into the show, because I think we have a lot to discuss. So much. Night one, Badass Mother 3000. What is this name in reference to? Is this a reference to anything in particular, or...? I don't know if it's a reference to anything, but at the end, Excalibur announces it as if it's going to be a yearly tournament. Yes. So I think it's the proto Battle of Los Angeles. Yeah. Even the format, pretty similar. Pretty similar. They even had loser tag matches as well. So does someone want to run down the participants of this tournament, which was to crown the first ever PWG champion? I do. (laughs) (laughs) So the field is (laughs) Super Dragon. Yes. Kerry's own Hook Bamberry. <laughs> M-Dog 20, Joey Ryan, Scorpio Sky, Disco Machine, Adam Pierce, Frankie Kazarian, Scott Lost, Tony Kazina, classic Colcabana, B-Boy, Nosawa, Taro, yeah. Hardcore Kid, and Christopher <laughs> Daniels. Now, a lot of good names in there. Yeah. One notable missing name, winning record in PWG. Go on. Apollo Khan. Oh, no. I, I, <laughs> I genuinely didn't know what you were driving at there. I should have guessed. Yeah. Wow. Relegated to non-tournament action on the second night. I was very upset. It's an interesting field of names for sure. Yeah, just going through the field, compared to the first show, there are a lot of names that we've heard of. First match, Super Dragon against Hook Bomberry. I think we just need to get it out of the way. This match has one of the most iconic moments in PWG history. An independent wrestling history. Super Dragon fan being attacked by Super Dragon in the crowd. <laughs> they were, I suppose they were still early in the match, like mat wrestling for lack of a better term. Some guy started chanting Super Dragon and obviously people picked up with him and then the other people kind of quieted down and he kept going and fans on the other side of the room started chanting shut the fuck up. They also lost interest. This guy had incredible stamina until eventually Super Dragon himself left the ring, got in his face, told him to sit down. He sat down and the Super Dragon turned around. He stood up again, which is pretty impressive. I would not stand up again after Super Dragon had come over and threatened to, like, whatever he threatens to do to people. 
Um, and he stood up again. He chanted Super Dragon one more time. <laughs> Super Dragon hopped the railing and got in his face. And then he sat down permanently and everyone cheered. So if you've, uh, if you've somehow missed that moment, the classic bit of, I think that was like on Botchamania, probably like eight or nine years ago at this stage. An important it's also piece. in the Botchamania intro. It's in the intro, yeah. yeah and it's, it's been, ch- it's, it, it took off, I haven't heard it in a while. It took off for a while as a kind of ironic kind of protest chant, like on Raw every now and then you'd get a Super Dragon chant during a bad match or, or whatever, like a, 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 a boring, yeah, you never, you're, Zig's looking at me like I have 10 heads right now. Like, I've no, never you, heard that. You never, so I didn't want to talk over you. <laughs> no, no, absolutely, no, but no, yeah. you, you, no, but definitely it's like, because um, he, because they, he put it in Botchamania when, like, sometimes it'd just be a couple of people chanting Super Dragon during a stupid segment or during a, a promo segment where the crowd is quiet and just a couple of dudes would start doing Super Dragon as if say, this is stupid. Like, yeah, it was, it was, it's, it was a thing for a while. But... That's, that's how I knew who Super Dragon was from that thing. I'm like, why are these people chanting mm-hmm. Super Dragon? And then I'm like, oh, it's yeah. this guy. Oh, attacked a fan. Little did you know his legacy is so much, so much, so much more grander. than just this, this chance. So I was the same. My first time hearing Super Dragon was that video. Just like my first time hearing it, like Joey Ryan, Scott Lost, mm. and Chris Bosch was YouTube compilations as well. as like, yeah. oh, their funniest moments yeah. in PWG. Yeah. Whereas I don't think I'd ever seen a match of theirs up until probably now. But it's always yeah. sunny in PWG. One, one thing that, about the crowd that just cemented this as like a, a 2003 event was, um, I can't remember at what stage of the match it was, but someone yelled, um, you can do it in the, t- in the yes. side of Rob Schneider. <laughs> and I was like, I guess that was cutting edge humor at the time. You know, you went to the wrestling and you did your Adam Sandler movie reference. But um, what a collection of folks at you these two shows. You can do freaking head <laughs> Yeah, you know, it makes sense as a pro-dragon thing, I guess. Yeah. Um, this match was, was pretty long. And I thought it was all right in parts, but I thought it was kind of long for what was just kind of an all right. It was. It was too long. Yeah. I will never say a Super Dragon match is too long, but for a tournament, 20-minute opener. I, I really liked the match, though. I thought it was, like, pretty wild. Mm. Dragon did, a like, a running Liger Bomb thing into the corner. I don't know. I, maybe, yeah. I just, maybe it's been a while since I've watched, but I saw that, and I don't think I... I like was shocked by it. I was like I haven't seen it like that. Like, he just kind of throws himself and hook into the. Yeah, it was like a into a sit out buckle bomb. Yeah, very yeah. very weird, very cool looking move yeah. for sure. I thought it was a great match. Um, I thought the show peaks in this match. I don't think there was a lot of great wrestling on the show at all. I thought this was pretty much the standout. Like they beat the crap out of each other. Yeah, there was a backdrop driver and some absolutely sick chops. Yeah. Yes. I, I love how mean Super Dragon is because it comes off very authentic like at one point he had Hook in like this kind of octopus kind of style like legs behind Hook's neck pulling his arms back and then he just like put his fingers in his eyes as well he's just like a really mean bastard I also think Hook he won over the crowd taking and beating he really gained some respect he's this weird small shooter type guy but you did sort of buy him as legit by the end yeah I'm interested to see where he goes from here it's funny that you think that the first match is where it peaked because I actually think the second match is something to write home about. What a great segue. So our second match is M-Dog 20 against Classic Cole Cabana making his PWG debut. Yes, M-Dog still wearing the shitty trunks. <laughs> yeah. Tights, pe- what do you call them? Pants? I just call them pants. Shitty Awful. little pants. The funny thing is when Cole Cabana came out whilst the man was stood there guarding the door. I think you want to talk about that. Oh yeah, we should, make, we should make mention of that. I love the doorman yes. so much. He's the star of the show. Just to explain what that is, um, there was no actual entrance. 
for the wrestlers because they were just literally in a room. So the wrestlers had to ent- enter through a door. But you know, you still need your pageantry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You still have to enter at a certain point in the song. So there was a man standing at the door ready to open it for them when the queue was right. Yeah. So I assume Super Dragon, M-Dog, all of them were on the other side and they'd have to give a little knock. <laughs> That's what I was hoping. But he looked amazing. So he's wearing like a khaki green cut-off sleeve yeah. tucked in to his khaki pants. Of course. He had a gold chain. He had a ponytail, earrings. He had everything. And he was huge. He was yeah. gigantic. Yeah. So when M-Dog comes out, he but was he absolutely dwarfed them all. He also had a sense of artistry. Mm-hmm. He did. As he would bob along to each song. <laughs> or during, during the Bomberry chants, he chanted too. He also had a, a road dog, Jesse James haircut. He looks like a doorman in a southern strip club in the 90s. I thought he looked like a carny worker. Oh, you know, okay. a ring toss guy. Yes, yeah. very yeah, good. Go yeah, I wonder what he's up to these days. I hope he's still working. I would love working the doors it. of the yeah. SoCal Indies. If well, anyone was... knows his Twitter, if they could um, maybe pass it on. Size queen. <laughs> <laughs> but the other, the other bit of pageantry, actually, while we're on the subject of the entrances, was the mirror wall, which was kind of distracting. I yes. didn't notice that mirror wall till the fourth match, <laughs> and then I saw two taros, and yeah. I was really freaked yeah. out. <laughs> But Cole Cabana, eh? He was so young. Yes, oh but my god. he hasn't changed. No. He is the exact same now as he was then. But I think it's down to he got his character down very, very early in so his quick. career. And he kind of knew what he wanted to be. And he got a lot of abuse from the crowd. And I think he told them to shut up about 20 times during this match. He was very chatty during well, this he match. Did. He did. During one stage, I think he had M-Dog in a headlock. And the fans started chanting at someone who just arrived late. They started chanting, you are late. You are late to their friend. And at one stage, Kamala just shouts them, I could do this all night. <laughs> and he goes, we got some original actors in here. You guys are funny. <laughs> and then he called them fags. Uh, <laughs> well, of course. That, that word will crop up a lot over the next two nights. Yeah. 2003. 2003. Still pretty bad. <laughs> he also spat. On him talk he at one did. point. Yeah. A very scummy performance yeah. from Colts here. It being shorter definitely helped because there wasn't as much filler as there was in other matches on this card. They worked together very well mm. and it flowed and I think the work was really good. I, I think I did prefer this to the opening because it was a bit more compact. It felt like a, a better tournament-y kind of match. Especially second match on the card. I thought it was I thought it was perfect for what it needed to be. I think you can tell that this is their first tournament. There are a few sort of timing issues or even match placements. I also think this card made no real sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, where matches were, what happened in them. If the main event is not a main event. Very bizarre opinion. choice. Very bizarre choice, yeah. Our third match is the technical wizard, Joey Ryan, against Scorpio Sky. I will never not snigger when I hear the technical wizard, <laughs> Joey Ryan. Like, what is their idea of a technical wrestler? Joey Ryan. Joey Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, like, I, I guess because we're European, we might think of it differently. Like, we think of, like, a Zack Sabre Jr., even a Brian Daniels. Yeah. All he did was, like, a few submissions. Do they, do they just use it for, like shorthand for like a good wrestler like is that rather than a technical do you honestly think that he was named a technical wizard or do you think he gave himself the name of technical wizard yeah but people went with it yeah that's the thing yeah Yeah. we don't know if there were some raised eyebrows there might have been maybe there would have been I thought there wasn't a technical wizard for that long yeah that's yeah the thing as well it didn't last forever but I thought was it did you guys pick up there was some booing for Joey in this match 
Was that just me? Maybe it was kind of hard. Oh, yeah. yeah. Some yeah. of the oh, we, oh, we, there was a Joey is a retard. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And he's not a retard. He's just special. I like Joey Ryan a lot on this, across the kind of the two shows, but uh, the technical wizard nickname, like you said, was a bit. He does a really good snapmare at one stage. It looked pretty cool. A lot of rest holes in this match, definitely, but the reoccurring theme from Joey Ryan matches in this tournament. <laughs> yeah, he was just kind of the white meat baby face, you know, just the basic kind of character. Scorpio Sky was only very new to wrestling as well at this stage. I think he'd only been wrestling two years. He's pretty good for two years. Yeah. yeah. Our next first round match is Disco Machine against Adam Pierce with Mr. Vanderpile, <laughs> yes. who came out with uh, his usual whiteboard, mm-hmm. <laughs> which said, You have herpes. <laughs> <laughs> and he proceeded to remind the crowd of their infliction. <laughs> Yeah, he had his whiteboard, he was uh, very animated, and that's another one I'm wondering what's he doing these days with himself. I hope he's still around. Edward Vanderpart. Yeah. Well, there is some scandal. Oh, no. He tried to sell the tag belt and the championship belt on eBay because he claimed that he had loaned them to PWG. He got them from a prop maker or something, and then they stopped using him, so he claimed they were his, and he tried to sell them on eBay. And so he was kind of disgraced. An unforgivable scene. Yeah. <laughs> Flogging oh, a title. I think no, there may he may have sold them. I can't remember how it turned out. I was only reminded of this the other day. At least the world title is obviously it's not the world title that they end up keeping. I suppose. Yeah. So yeah, maybe maybe he well, flogged them and they got something else. Super Dragon was not happy. You can imagine. <laughs> so he was probably seething. Yeah, there is more to the story, but I can't quite remember it so I'm going to have to do more research and I will come back come back on a future episode yes. this is the first match where I think it was that it really stood out to me the, the audio levels are much better here for the entrances and stuff so yeah. you can actually make out what everyone was coming out to which was a nice little bonus did Adam Pierce always come out to Freebird yes did he really yeah. I don't know how I just it seemed it seemed like an odd fit but I was like alright bit of Freebird at the wrestling no, right? he, so, he thinks of himself as like a Michael Hayes well yeah with them he has the role whenever and now he has the job and he has the job oh yeah I suppose yeah God, he actually is he's done well for himself so hasn't he <laughs> when Disco Machine came out yeah and he did his dance his gyrating and stuff like this it reminded me so much and I don't know if it's because of the mask of Dennis Reynolds from It's Always Sunny <laughs> like you know that episode yeah. where like, they go to the orgy? Yeah. yeah. That is Disco Machine. Bro, so he kind of does he look looks like, like him. him a little bit. He does, man. Yeah. Yeah. He has the same haircut. Yeah. And just, I can't unsee it now. Yeah. Like, all of his little mannerisms as well. I could see Dennis doing that. See, now, if he was to make a, if he was to make a comeback today, that would be a great character to do. Because I don't think there's any Dennis Reynolds-style characters. That's, that's a really good one. Yeah, they had a terrible dance-off. Start the match. Yes. There was lots of back and forth with the fans. Adam Pierce loves kind of getting in face fans. What are the fans, I don't know if I misheard this, what are the fans yells, I know Joey Ryan, bitch, at, at Adam <laughs> Pierce? As if that's some kind of boast in 2003. I guess he's part, part involved in the company, I guess, but uh, that was a that was a weird one. Not, not much of a grappling contest, this one. So the next match was uh, Frankie, the coolest man alive, Kazarian, <laughs> against Scott Lost, who came out to the Smallville theme. I yes. have written that down. I have also written that down. Which, was, which yeah. was very nice. And I think it's kind of cool looking at that now. He was always such a nerd, yeah, Scott Lost. I, and Smallville was on air t- this time, wasn't it? Smallville like, was huge. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, it was better than Frankie Kazarian's. 
entrance, which was just so try hard. Yeah. Came out with a beer can. <laughs> and I, I hope the crowd chanting, you're so cool, you're so cool. I hope they were being ironic. They have to be. They did it non-stop <laughs> as well for the two his, his matches on both these shows. Oh my God. Is that why? Just because he came out with the beer can? Yeah. I thought it was like some reference that I didn't get. No, he was just... That it was an actual character thing. Yeah. yeah he was cool, Frankie Kazarian. Yeah, <laughs> the future. It was actually in this match, but like, it's really bad of me that I only noticed that there's no ring apron. Because oh, yeah. they come out to the outside, and I was like, holy crap, there's no like nice little apron to hide everything underneath. I don't yeah. know how it took me so long to notice that. Was there also no bell? No. No, there was no ring bell. Yeah. It was just really jarring. Darian also pointed out how filthy the ring was at one point, and I, when he said that, I looked and I goes, "Yeah, it looks disgusting." Yeah, so. he just he just goes, "Who's in charge of cleaning this nonsense?" And then goes <laughs> on about staff infections, and I'm like, "Ooh, that's that's great." So you really enjoyed this match, Sarah? I did really enjoy this match, and I thought it was an absolute disgrace that Scott Lawson went out in round one because he is by far and away one of the best wrestlers that was on this card, and he is the better member of you know the trio of the X Foundation. I think in the context of tournaments, like we kind of keep going back to, it was really, really solid. And it was a kind of a nice introduction to Scott Lost as a singles wrestler. And even then, you could see traits of him that he carried out with him throughout his career. And just even the kicks and just how fluid he was from an early age. It was really nice to see. I thought like Scott Lost, for his relative inexperience, was just so smooth. Like He was so crisp in everything he did. It's weird to me, like I know he does have relative success, but they didn't have more. Yeah. yeah. He, he was nothing really outside PWG. I think he was in CZW a bit as well. But he never really hit heights that it looked like he would have if you looked at him at that age. I, I think with Scott Lost, I don't I think it was down to him maybe not wanting to more than him not getting chances because like the fact that he said to his family that he was gonna retire at 30 years old, something that will come to him maybe about eight years. Um, <laughs> I didn't know he was that young. Yeah, he retired when he was 30 years old and he's, he's stuck to ever since, writing comic books now. Like, So I'd say there's probably real life conflicts that got in the way and maybe he just like, no, wrestling is my hobby, wrestling is what mm. I do on the weekends. He could be waiting for a Saudi payday. Oh, the greatest bowler. That'd be pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe his friends uh, in AEW might give him a call. That would be a, an incredible guess if they actually did that. That would be really cool. He was he was great in this match. Like He did um, rolling Northern Light suplexes. Like He does one and he kind of flips over and picks the guy back up. People today still do a version of that and get like a good reaction. Like It was, it was really cool. It just reminded me of what people would constitute a technical wrestler. Joey Ryan doing the three suplexes. Because Benoit does yes, them. Yes, That's what makes you a technical good, wrestler. Yeah. Especially in 2003. Yeah. Especially in 2003. Next up we had Tony Kazina against B-Boy. Who came out to Eye of the Tiger. Which Dorgai loved. Got involved. <laughs> Surprised I haven't heard Eye of the Tiger more as a theme throughout the years. Is anyone else notable use Eye of the Tiger as a theme? It seems like a bad lazy choice. But I think I would have heard it more as a result. There were a lot of bad lazy choices on yeah. the show I felt for team music I mean we just talked about a guy using a, a song from a very popular TV show of the time as his entrance so yeah not some, not a great choice but uh, B-Boy looked more or less the same didn't he, that he yeah, I have that written down B-Boy has been around forever hasn't changed yeah looks the exact same did a lot of the same moves and everything like yeah he did his B-Boy shtick this is like my first time seeing Tony Cusina as well like, yeah. I literally only knew him as Davey Richards' trainer 
Yeah. Um, but I, I've never actually seen a match of his. Oh, I only know from that thing we won't discuss. Yeah. Um, yeah. What? He. I don't think it's any kind of like horrible scandal we can't talk about. Him, Davey, and Kyle. Kyle O'Reilly like held up a promoter once or made off with their payday. I'm, I'm beat up. Oh, oh, not no. beat up, but Kazina had a match with like a trainee who was like what, mm. 15 or something, like stretched him and like. Because the promoter stiffed them. Because O'Reilly apologized, so I can't remember did the promoter stiff them first or did they make off with the money first? I can't remember what happened, but there was some. I'm blaming Kazina and Richards because Kyle has since distanced himself. Yeah, he. Massively. He was the first one who came out after the fact, like apologize and stuff like that. But yeah, they, they had a pretty nasty weekend in this one particular promotion. This was only a couple of years ago. Like they were. Kyle and Davey were both in PWG at the time. It was like 2012, 2013 or something like that. And that was actually, that was my first time hearing of Tony Kazina. And then I watched the, that video of him. You'd watch that match and you'd be like, yeah, this guy trained Davey Richards for sure. He seems like a, a jiu-jitsu obsessed dick. Who's this 40-year-old fuck thinking he's... <laughs> yeah. um, he is the head trainer in the Fale Dojo in New Zealand yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. That little guy. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, he looked like shit. What was up with his hair? His yeah. hair. Yeah, that sandy hair. Yeah. Oh, he looked disgusting. I'm very, <laughs> very small. He's kind of he's kind of a cliche in some ways because yeah, you watch him and you think and you remember this guy trained Davy Richards and like that makes all the sense in the world. And also he does the I'm a mean tough guy thing despite being four foot tall, like you know, small man syndrome. But did you notice they kept trying to make him do like the pose? The yeah. crowd kept popping for the pose. They made John Ian do the pose, yeah. and everyone popped at the end. And oh god, that was a hoot. He was also quite recently on Heat. Yes. Because the crowd chanted to him, you're on Heat. Oh, yeah. really? So he must have been a jobber. He was. He was. He tagged with Buddy Wayne. Oh, and, wow. Oh, rest in peace, big man. <laughs> against Mark Jindrak and Garrison Cade. Oh, I'd say that was a barn burner. Yeah. Rest in peace, Garrison yeah. Cade. Is all of his... Is he dead too? Yeah. Wow, so he yeah. killed all of them. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I thought the match was kind of dry when Casino was in charge because he was just... Yeah. Working him over. I liked I liked B Boy in this match. Though. I actually thought he was he pretty was good. good. I know Sarah is the big uh, corner drop kick proponent on, of this group. Not a lot of hang time, but he really kicked that guy in the face really hard. So I like I like B Boy's corner drop kick a lot. It's a, probably about a about a five on the Chris Saban scale. Solid rating. Yeah. Respectable. What was the horn thing that they were doing? Bang his head with two fists <laughs> as if he had horns. Be, is that not B Boy's? Oh, is it yeah, B-Boy's thing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That thing, yeah. yeah that's, that's B-Boy's pose. That's B-Boy's pose. Oh, okay. Yeah. They just wanted Cousina to do it too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fair enough. Because, fair enough. yeah, they got Johnny. Either, that or, or, either that or they like the She-Devil Terry Runnels. Like, you know. I thought they were just Hellboy fans. <laughs> and you can't see this, but we're all gesticulating madly. <laughs> As we often do. This needs to be a video podcast <laughs> for future reference. Oh, it really doesn't. No, 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 no. Yeah. Zig's not even wearing pants. <laughs> Next match was an all-caps affair. <laughs> Nosawa against Big Taro. Let me let me show my ignorance right away. Who's Nosawa? He was a, or he still is in all Japan. Okay, but he was a pretty well. I, I know, I know from that he was the uh, ICP Juggalo champion at the time this was recorded. But beyond that, I did not know who he if was. If I tell you a Nosawa story, you may recognize. Him. Okay, go on. He went out with Yo Sarai, and they were stopped in Tokyo airport that with drugs on them drugs that had been planted on them what? by another wrestler um as like a revenge really? oh in a painting in a they were stored yeah they had I've never heard this put, story of they put weed in a painting so they were caught and then the wrestler that planted it had a press conference 
where he said that he had been bribed to do it by a promoter. Oh my God. Who had a grudge against Nasawa. And he said, the promoter said that he would get him a longer contract in AAA. What? If he did this. Damn. Bringing shame on the ICP Juggalo Championship like yeah. that. My God. Nasawa Runge is his... I was going to say, does he, does he still wrestle as just Nasawa? Is that yeah. his name? Okay. Yeah. Would, he, would he have been an interesting get for them at the time? Like, was he doing anything notable in 03? I guess not if he was the Juggalo I, I Championship guess that he was, if, he, if he was the Juggalo Champion and wrestling in the badass Mother 3000. He was, he was still new enough, I think, so he might have just been on an American excursion. Okay. But he, yeah, he has been yes. in New Japan and all Japan. Always been bit of a mad bastard really wasn't he was a yeah. yeah like he looks now the same way he did back then but now it's normal because he's been wrestling for about 18 years whereas then he looked about 40 yeah that's <laughs> true <laughs> he looked a bit like John Kasai but without all the scars I kind of thought yeah. that yeah yeah Un- unscarred off yeah kind he of he looked good with scars Taro came out and he was all fired up <laughs> He was feeling his oats today. Had his leather jacket on. Yeah. You know, he was fired off. The crowd were loving him. Yeah, absolutely. Staunchly behind Taro in this match. I can see I can see people getting into the really tiny guy who does the I'm a heavyweight game. I think that probably still work today even. Like, you know, I think that's a, a funny thing. They did not like Nozawa pulling his horns. No. They did not. <laughs> <laughs> pulling his horns. <laughs> Listen, he's oh. the horniest man in wrestling. Pulled the horns. <laughs> Weren't happy with it. Nasawa was accompanied to the ring by his manager, who is also PWG commissioner, Paul T. Yes. Paul T proceeded to give us a backstory of a feud between Tara and Nasawa um, in an old promotion. Okay. Which, which was nice, yeah, yeah. To, to know the, the history of both these men. Then Paul T called... Taro a cracker. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know what, as far as outrageous phrases used on this show, I don't think calling Taro a cracker is... And Taro is billed from Tokyo. He is. Is he? Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> I think they were getting at, you're not really Japanese. This guy here, he's Japanese. He's the real deal. Yeah. Yeah. This juggalo champion. He's right going to say, he has a coveted Puro <laughs> championship with him. Taro then took the mic and did his catchphrase. Capital T, capital A, capital R, capital O. Big letters for a big guy. (laughs) (laughs) And the crowd went wild. (laughs) So did I. (laughs) He's going wild right now. He's so excited about it. It was great. It was great. And it is that type of thing. Yeah, if you still did that today, everyone would go along with you. Everyone would love it. And yeah, he's really confident as well. Like, you know, it's, it's... You could see someone doing that and it getting no reaction, but he had a he's a charm about him that you can definitely see, especially at a look what what at the time was still a very local thing. If you were watching this, you were a Southern Ca- uh, California wrestling fan. You can see it definitely being a kind of community thing that they really get into. But yeah, it was, it was I enjoyed Taro more on these shows than I did on on the first one for sure. He was definitely given a lot more. Room. No disrespect to Baby Slim, he's he's in the club in heaven these days. I actually don't know if he's dead. That was a joke. Why don't you make this match itself? A mess. It was not good. <laughs> no. They should have just talked and bantered for like 10 minutes. Uh, Nosawa at one point caught the referee's hand on a three count. Which I, which I, my first reaction was, that's cool. And my second reaction is, that's not, not a disqualification doing that, like grabbing the ref like that. There's a few things Nosawa did. They, at one stage he flips off the referee as yeah. well. There's a real like, sort of language barrier <laughs> yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. He 
flip the bird quite a lot yeah. in his time there over the two nights. Just constantly like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, if you, if, if you can't, if you, I mean, you, you can't think of any, the English word for any of the slurs everyone else is saying. You gotta just go with the fingers, you know. And also, so. you're not gonna become juggalo champion by shaking hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Paul T also ran in directly in front of the referee before the finish, which I could not, even by the standards of low-level <laughs> local indies, I was like, oh, look the other way or something. <laughs> like, the finish was, was terrible. Are you really gonna take on your boss, though? I suppose, yeah, that's right, yeah, you know, yeah, he, Paul T very much the Triple H of his, of his time and place. Yes, he's signing the checks. That's it, yeah. You might notice we're not uh, talking too much about the matches themselves, uh, because one, that's boring as fuck, <laughs> but also because there really isn't much to talk about on these cards. No, they're kind of there, I think other than like that Nassawa match, I don't even think they were, any of them were especially bad necessarily it was just kind of they were kind of indie matches of the like, time you know like I was watching this with my my brothers at home and I was like the, the most difficult thing is they're neither terrible nor great mm. so who wants to hear someone talk about like a t- two and a half star three star match mm-hmm. no one like there's no there's nothing funny there's nothing engaging it was a good watch will I watch it again no no I've watched it now and I'm closing the book and I'm getting it down on audio that I've watched it <laughs> So the main event, <laughs> the last round one match, Hardcore Kids being accompanied to the ring by El Jefe against the Fallen Angel, Christopher Daniels, who can't woo. Anyone else notice that now? Why, no. what did he do? When he tried to do chops in the corner, uh, he tried to do a Ric Flair woo, but his voice can't go that high. <laughs> My voice also can't go that high, so it, it's the most I've ever related <laughs> to Christopher Daniels. 2003, Christopher Daniels already still like a mainstay of the indie scene and beloved by the crowd as well. I thought he carried himself like a star. Like a star the whole sure. crowd were on their feet when he came out. Yeah. Um, and he was in his priest get-up. He felt like a bigger deal than AJ did mm. on the last show. I think disposable teens really suited him as well. Like I, I, I love that whole era yeah. of Christopher Daniels. I, I think it like, held a special place in my heart. So to see him come, but to see him to come out with door guy opening the room <laughs> yeah. and like I don't know, like a hundred people there watching him. I was like, oh no. It's not, not, not only did he carry himself as a bigger star than most of the other people on show, more than the venue justified. Really, it was like yeah. Because like we made fun of the lights on the first show. This didn't even have that. This had a fellow opening the door and then the mirror wall. That's all he had, you know. So <laughs> like at some points you'd even like see people standing in that little doorway looking in, like, oh, what's going on here? Some wrestling. I think when like Daniels came out, I could understand why he had to be the main event, but I just think they picked the wrong guy to put him in there with. The hardcore kid is not a main eventer in my eyes. He's very tall. He is extremely tall, actually. Again, I, I don't know if that was just the context of the ring and the other people he was in there with, but he seemed gigantic. So no wonder he was Carlito's bodyguard. <laughs> oh, I was so annoyed that it didn't register in my head who it was. Yeah, that was when you said when you said that to me after we did the first episode. I, I almost passed out there because he he seemed like when you watched him on SmackDown, it's like, like oh this is some. WWE plucked from wherever they plucked him and threw him on the- I didn't realise that he had an indie career, let alone a PWG handful of appearances to his name, but uh, the fallen angel versus Jesus. Yeah. I mean, the, the symbolism is powerful, if I'm being honest. <laughs> he did have PWG appearances, but he didn't have no. super indie PWG no, appearances. No, no. Yeah. Hey, now. <laughs> He, um, he did, I'd say this much in like my favourite five seconds I watched of the entire weekend of shows we watched, 
he did a move that was basically the Cade backwards over the top rope rig exit into a head scissors on the floor. Do you remember this? In the, in the opening mismatch. And he bonked his head on the apron when he did it. Uh, which was extremely good. Uh, and then he that was about the one kind of notable thing he did, I think, for really for the whole match. But uh, he was not as bad as I remembered Jesus being. Uh, I so. think that's down to Chris Rodriguez being yeah. in general. I, I, I went to Daniel, Daniels was awesome in this match for what he had to work with. And, and like you said, like him being in the main event was weird. He put in the work and he really tried his best with this guy. And it's funny, your point about Rick Knox earlier, at one point, Daniels, he messes up and goes, you're repping out of a match, Knox. Like a, yeah, not a good night for our favorite referee. He also got a "this ref sucks" chant. Christopher Daniels came out to what can only be described as a babyface reaction, and then at some point in the match, suddenly he's heel. And Hardcore Kid is part of that sort of Adam Pearce group, the faction. Yeah, it was um, very strange, but I actually think this happens a lot, maybe especially in the second night, that people are turning mid-match. Definitely. There is no... They don't have their PWG characters yet. No. Like some people on the podcast. They haven't quite worked out which way they're playing. A lot of flans. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I don't want people to hate me. <laughs> no, well, no. don't you, turn heel. Yeah, we're just saying you don't have yeah, your don't defined be... character yet. Unless you want to be horny flan. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. The horniest podcaster. <laughs> me <know>. and Taro. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think you'd think he worked heel just because it was the easiest thing to get a decent match out of Kid to have Daniels be in charge, for lack of a better term, during the, the crux of it, maybe? Well, he works heel night too, as well. So. Yeah. But that's but so did Hardcore Kid, didn't he? I think Daniels worked heel in this match to set up for what was to come on night two. Oh, yeah, maybe yeah. maybe he turned. Maybe they did an Austin Brett. <laughs> <laughs> that's up there. Number one, Austin Brett. Number two, Hardcore Kid. Close. Christopher Daniels. Yeah, very close. <laughs> Not a feel-good ending then with Christopher Daniels moving on to the next round, or was yeah. it? I don't know. For us it was, because it's like, yeah, it's Christopher Daniels. Yeah, low blow to win. <sighs> the dynamic of the match was weird. But that was the running theme of the show, I feel. A lot of confusion. A lot of unsure characters. Bad rapping. The most colourful characters being in the crowd. Oh, Joey, Joey, oh, <laughs> The doorman enjoyed himself and that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Thing. He was the star of the show anyway. <laughs> Completely. I'm just, it's kind of actually just wrong to my mind now. No, no Chris Bosch. No. No Chris Bosch. Well, he, he lost on the first show, you know. Um, well, clearly that's the <laughs> 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 lost records are out the window. Also kind of weird that Excalibur uh, was kind of host. He, as we would know in modern PWG, he was kind of just the guy doing the intro for the show and that was it. He wasn't, he wasn't, he didn't seem like he was team Cheesemo Excalibur really at all on this show for, for yeah. whatever. He introduced Super Dragon, but he didn't, he didn't wrestle, he didn't do anything kind of. corporate Excalibur. Yeah. yeah. In his yeah. tracksuit bottoms. In his tracksuit bottoms and his mask. Corporate bottoms. So yeah. Isn't it great how Excalibur hasn't aged? Yeah. <laughs> Completely. What cream does he use? <laughs> Let me know, Excalibur. What are your secrets? Wearing a mask, smooth maybe? body, smooth skin. Smooth, <laughs> silky voice. <laughs> I thought it, it, this almost felt like a more kind of fitting debut in a way. I feel like the wrestling was kind of better. Like we mentioned, the, the, the wins and losses of the first show didn't really carry over here. I don't think much carried over from the first show to this one because between. Excalibur not wrestling, 
Team Cheese were not being a thing. On the first episode, we talked about that that sense that they were carrying over angles from other promotions and general regional stuff that the fans knew that carried over to the debut show. This kind of felt like a more fresh kind of, here's these crop of guys and we're doing a tournament because that's an easy thing for fans to understand for a new group. This kind of felt like a better first foot forward for the promotion than the debut show. And they had better graphics. Their entrance graphics were not bad for the time, I don't think. Per 2003 standards. Yeah, no, I echo those sentiments. Definitely, like, it was a lot better, the quality, and an easier watch for me. Wrong people won. I mean, Scott lost. Should <laughs> still be PWG champion. Um, <laughs> but that's all I have to really say. Putting Super Dragon in the first match, I think, was a bad idea. Maybe you had to go back and agent the rest. Put the headset on. <laughs> Possibly. I, I preferred the first show because um, I guess it was more fun because mm. yeah. it was a bit crazier um, it wasn't as good this was probably bell to bell better matches with no bell as first round matches tend to be especially when you don't have a storyline going into them it was just eight singles matches that did have some consequence but no real heat to them Jeez, so it's like PWG from like 2016-2017 closing thoughts on night one um no (laughs) 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 so let's end night one here and we'll be back with night two back for night two of Badass Mother 3000, back in our early spiritual home, the Frank and Sons Convention Centre, <laughs> which I found out is still a thing, still running, they're weekly conventions. We opened with John Ian giving us a rundown of who's left in the tournament, so we'll do the same. Kazarian, B-Boy, Nosawa, Christopher Daniels, Joey Ryan, Adam Pierce, Cole Cabana and Super Dragon. And our first match is Kazarian against B-Boy. But it wasn't B-Boy. Yeah, it was supposed to be B-Boy. It was supposed to be B-Boy. And then Paul T came out and they outlined that he... What did they they say? He had like some... Travel? Travel. Was it... Family Family issues. Family issues. But he pretended to be on the phone to B-Boy. Well, pretended. I I don't know for sure. Maybe he was. Uh, Maybe maybe B-Boy was on the phone. Yeah, he had family issues and couldn't make it. So instead we got a little Cholo. Yeah. And Frankie Kazarian just said... Who put B-Boy in the wash? <laughs> that was an alright line. Yeah, you know Pretty good. This is the okay? most racist thing in the world. I did not notice. <laughs> <laughs> well, they announced it. What do you mean? How do you... I don't know how I missed all of this. Well, I was wondering yeah, why okay. you were so surprised. Okay. Staring at us bug-eyed. So, I mean, you admitted right away that it was racist, but so you didn't notice that these were different people? <laughs> no. <laughs> For the whole what match. What did you think they were calling him? Oh, yeah. In your, in your defense, in your defense, did you think that them calling him Lil Cholo was them just being racist? Yes. Okay. 
And him being dressed as a very stereotypical cholo. Okay. B-boy dresses sort of like that anyway. Oh, wow. But wow, he does. Wow, wow, wow. Okay. So, Lil Cholo is a wrestler in his own right. He actually, he was in Lucha Underground, I think, under a different name. Yeah, so, he stuck around for 10 odd years. Mala I think Suerte? Watched at the time. I can't remember what his name is, but yeah, I think he's... Mala Suerte. Oh, okay. I, no, no, you said it in a tone. Yeah, why like, didn't you say it with more confidence? Yeah, you were like, like, she's doing the accent. <laughs> I guess we're all racist. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we had Lil Cholo versus uh, Kazarian. This was a uh, all right opener. Lil Cholo was very beloved by the crowd, mm. and Frankie Kazarian. They were vicious when he came out. You are cool. You yeah. are cool. <laughs> the, I didn't think the match was that great. No, it was um, super rushed. And had a, a fucked up finish. Or? I think so. Yes. Yeah. Was I, it the Bell rang too soon, was it? Or so they had a bell this time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. huge upgrade. Frankenstein well, sparing no expense. Kazarian got him in a sleeper hold, and I think he was meant to drag him to the ground and then tighten it. But little Cholo um, tapped out before they'd even gotten it to the ground. He'd literally just applied it and he tapped <laughs> yeah. out. And Rick Knox just called for the bell. And what made me think it wasn't the finish was that Frankie Kazarian still pulled him to the ground and still hooked in the choke. Yeah, it was obvious that. This was uh, not meant to happen. That B-Boy obviously had to pull out last minute. So this was very thrown together and very obvious. And if you still thought it was B-Boy, um, you might have thought a lot less of him. <laughs> I genuinely did. <laughs> even, even before the finish as well, there was like, I had two spots here in a row that I made note of. They, if, uh, Kazarian like teased like a top rope Frankensteiner but Cholo did the thing where he held the ropes and so Kazarian kind of flips off. But Kazarian like landed on his head from that spot. And then Cholo did... My only frame of reference for this move is Lita, but the jumping off the top rope, Hurricane Rana, and he in turn also landed on his own head doing the move. I was like, someone's going to die in this opener, and then Lil Cholo is in turn going to have to be replaced by someone else, because they were killing themselves and each other in this match. I think this show was a lot better paced than Night One as well, because all the opening round matches are fairly quick. For the next match, we had Nassau with Paul T against Christopher Daniels. Don't you mean curry rice peasant cracker? <laughs> Christopher Daniels. I forgot to read out his full title. <laughs> I think between the first night and this night, like Daniels is a guy I've always kind of liked, but you know, I never really, really loved him. But I thought this was another match where he carried someone I wasn't that into into like a pretty decent match because like the Sawas match that we talked about before wasn't that good. I actually thought this was all right. Uh, I thought Nassau was really good in it. Yeah, match. I thought he did. I think he did much better here. I just thought he was going to come out as Curry Man after yeah. that. I was fully expecting <laughs> yeah. him to come out in the garb. Daniels was babyface. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yes. I think against Nozawa, he <laughs> yeah. had still flipping off everyone. Not having it. He was not having it with this crowd either. I was surprised at how few shenanigans were in this match because Paul yeah. T in the first round was all over the match. Yeah. And they just had a straight match here and Daniels beat him. Interesting that the politics of being the juggalo champion allowed him to lose, <laughs> lose clean in this match, but uh, business was done differently back in 2003, I guess. Well, I assume they had a match later down the line for the belt. Okay, yeah, I would hope so. And my favourite part was uh, when Daniels does uh, an Arabian press onto the ground, but there's only two fans on the, the side of that <laughs> ring. There's literally only two guys behind the barricade, and they are going <laughs> wild. <laughs> but it was such a good move, and he did so well to two fans. Indie wrestling. <laughs> Next second round match was Joey Ryan against Adam Pierce with Mr. Vanderpile. I like this match a whole lot. I talked about it a bit on the on the debut show. This was a really good 
underdog young man baby face performance with Joey Ryan. At one point, he did a comeback by doing arm drags and scoop slams, and I was like, "Yeah, you go, Joey Ryan. You hit those scoop slams." I thought he was. I thought he was really, really entertaining, and I thought the match was like really basic structure. But I, I was into him in this match. He's a, he is a technical wizard. <laughs> I just enjoyed. I think it was one of the fans saying, "Stop teabagging, Joey." <laughs> <laughs> and then I hear, "Eat shit." The crowds again on this show were very very vocal about things they did like and did not like and we did have the return of the joey oeo which is probably the best thing to ever come out of pwg very entertaining this was a solid match i think there's not much to kind of write home about it but i feel like that about most adam pierce matches in general that he is a solid worker, but there's never anything really much else to say. He leans into all that cheap heel stick, and but it's all the real generic cheating, you know, poking in the eye, that yeah. sort of stuff. Another fella constantly chatting to the fans. Every little thing that gets said, he has to go over and say something, yeah. There is a part of the match which has bothered me for years because I don't understand the reference. And if anyone out there can help explain it to me, I will really appreciate it. There is a point where Vanderpile is fighting with the crowd and Pierce goes down and tries to break it up. And someone in the crowd shouts, no more oatmeal for you. (laughs) And Adam Pierce loses it. Like just corpses, just can't stop laughing. The crowd starts chanting, no more oatmeal. And takes a bump. Yes. Yes. I need to know what this means. Does Vanderpile look like some sort of oatmeal mascot this has actually bothered me for so long because i remembered it straight away and i remember (laughs) researching it what does this mean adam pierce oatmeal like (laughs) so this this has been lost in translation so if anyone out there knows or was tweet the account please yes or was the guy just like drunk and blurted out this random phrase and Pierce lost it because it was he was as caught off his guard as you were by that? Or <laughs> no, it definitely means He definitely something. knew something about it, yeah. I like it when a guy takes a bump because something makes him laugh so much he has to take a bump. That's that's classic wrestling. He does that a lot, actually. He did that night one, one yeah. yeah. But that's what I mean about like Adam Pierce being just the most generic of heels. Like He comes out in the robe. Yeah. Like, mm. like I'm sure if he was around in the 80s, he would have been everywhere. The Solid hand, journeyman. Yeah. yeah. There's one point where Joey Ryan hits the most terrifying Frankensteiner yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah. Because I don't know if Pierce doesn't go through enough or what it was, but Joey Ryan nearly broke his neck and landed yeah. directly on his head. Second match at Macara, that was by my count. The, the third very scary head drop, inadvertent head drop of the show. So off to a bit of a rough start. Gets a lot scarier for Joey Ryan later on. Yes. Though. Yes, yes. I did like that this match had callbacks to the debut show with all the shenanigans with the belt because on the first show Adam Pierce beat X Foundation by using the belt and it came back to cost him in this match when Joey Ryan hit him with the belt to win. I did like when Adam Pierce got on the mic at the end and he says What kind of champion uses a belt to win a match? <laughs> I thought that was a nice little Nice nice touch. And the final match in this round was classic Cole Cabana against Super Dragon. I actually really enjoyed this match. I think before we talk about the match, we're going to have to talk about Super Dragon's entrance. There was, there was so much to say about the entrances. So he, he comes out and he looks as it was something thrown at his feet or something. So, you know, Super Dragon goes into the crowd to square off with uh, the person. This is another point actually I mentioned in the first part about Night One. This feeling detached from, from the debut show. Were we not supposed to know who this person was? Because it was Mr. Excitement in the crowd that Super Dragon began jawjacking with. 
I don't know, was this supposed to be a work shoot? Was it supposed to be Super Dragon fighting a fan? Because he's so unpredictable and dangerous. Were we supposed to know it's Mr. Excitement? Are they going to have a match? It was very, very weird. But they got in each other's face. They exchanged some pro wrestling forearms very briefly. He, at one point, he like points him and like gestures at someone like throw him out or something like yeah. that. I, I think it was supposed to look like they were having a real fight and Dragon wanted him gone. But What I liked about that is after that happened, Super Dragon goes back to the <laughs> barricade. So goes back to the entrance and then just starts to kind of starts his entrance again so mr professional yeah, on, on his way through the crowd he also shakes the guy's hand <laughs> <laughs> not too affected no. <laughs> actually one thing i noticed about this that you've probably all seen already that i'd never noticed and i love i don't know if he does it intentionally but super dragon treats his tassels on the back of his mask <laughs> like hair <laughs> like he'll run his hands through them like it's a ponytail every now and then he'll swish them <laughs> he likes to look good yeah what i will say about the exchange is there is never any payoff or explanation for the the mr excitement fight it is never brought up again mr excitement if you're listening please let us know what was the deal well, i actually think this is probably my favorite match of the show just because there's two professionals going at it i think i think i'm probably a bit biased because i'm a huge cabana fan and I think he brings something different and he's very engaging with the crowd. Even making a sleeper hold funny yeah. is like, like, go to sleep, go to sleep, <laughs> little dragon. Um, I, just, I really, really enjoyed that. And I think the match kind of flew by. I feel like some matches on this show later on were maybe slightly too long. Yeah. Cole Cabana is a very good technical wrestler. Mm. We're talking about technical wizards. Obviously, Cabana probably developed a bit more later in his career in that regard when he went to England. I love the one fan cheering for Cole Cabana at one point. Then someone shouting, shut the fuck up. And then responding with, eat my ass. And then going, you are gay. <laughs> a solid exchange. Yeah. Yeah. Again, 2003. Yeah. God, it's such a bitter divide between this side of the room and that side of the room. <laughs> I will say, Super Dragon, he gets very distracted by the crowd and by the outside. And you'll see this in all of his matches. He gets really distracted by the chants and by the loud fans. And so he kind of waves in and out of focus, definitely in this match and in the previous ones. You could tell he's 100% an emotional person yeah. Yeah. who takes it all to heart. Absolute sweetheart, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dragon one with a dragon suplex, which I, I don't know if that was like a finish of his before, but uh, fitting. Yeah, I thought it was a really good match. Yeah, it was good. I liked it. Then we had Hardcore Kid coming out. Um, he didn't get any music because this was unplanned. Oh, guys. This is right. a shoot. He got on the mic and he ran down the idea of there being a second nice tag match yeah. with all the losers. Ahead of the curve. Yeah. But why was Hardcore Kid suddenly masked? I was like, was I not paying attention to night one or something and I missed that? I, I had to go back and look. I was like, what am I missing? Like, this is the third show he's on. <laughs> the first one where he's masked. I think he's just trying a new thing out every time he comes out. He has to find his niche. He Some people does. need to find their niche, guys. It's only show for it. Okay. I was, I was like, maybe he's going for like a, a scary monster vibe, but then you're coming out cutting a promo about how you don't want to be booked in a crappy match is like this is very weird he also has a problem with midgets he does he didn't yeah. like that all these midgets had progressed through the <laughs> tournament and he was the tallest guy on the card so oh. who comes out <laughs> hook bombery <laughs> hey. they bantered briefly and then a, a brawl broke out who's the other guy I, 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 Alcatraz Alcatraz of yeah. course yeah. a brawl break out and who was there to save the day 
Apollo Khan. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Hero to everyone. Well, it was a shoot, so yeah, a real yeah. shooter had a real to show shooter, up eventually. A real shooter. I just have in my notes, best team ever, question mark. <laughs> Khan and Hook. Yeah. yeah. I loved them, yeah. They were like a little indie version of the world's greatest tag team. <laughs> oh, great <laughs> shout. I do feel like Hook Bomberry definitely made an impression on night one because the crowd mm-hmm. were, were yeah. firmly behind him on this, like in comparison to the first show when he didn't really get much of a reaction to now, like he's solidified himself as a really big crowd favourite. And you can kind of see like, yeah, has a bit of bit of something to him now mm, in this definitely. match. Definitely. Mm. A bit of confidence is there now, it's growing. I like this team as well. I think these two guys as a team is, is pretty fun. An yeah. Alka Seltzer chant. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. Clever. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> Two Apollo Khan moves that I enjoyed very okay, much. Okay, like, He did like a springboard spear mm-hmm. where he like bounced off the ropes and spears, I think it was Alcatraz. And then his an STO into a cattle mutilation, but Alcatraz was facing upwards. It was like a reverse right. cattle mutilation. It was really cool. Hook had Hardcore Kid in the submission as well. And then Adam Pierce interfered. Right. Because they're part of Hardcore Inc. It's yes. the weird. It's yeah. the weirdest See, it, it jumps out. It's like, yeah. wait, you look at your notes like, wait, Adam Pierce? Oh, yeah. He's, yeah. As- <laughs> aesthetically, it does not no. work at all. But you can see they are at least building something with Hardcore Inc. As this heel faction yeah. running yeah. roughshod over the promotion. When the back started, it was Kid versus Bombay. I was like... I'm not anti as anti-midget as Hyper Kid, but he is absolutely gigantic compared to these other guys. So, you know, it's an alright dynamic if he's going to be the, the heel guy on the mid-card. Yeah, you can see what he's doing who ended up in WWE. When, <laughs> yeah, like, when does he go off to be a bodyguard, then? But when does he stab John Cena? Soon enough, wouldn't it be? Because that was... 2004. Summer 04. And then we move on to, which I have dubbed the ageless match because these two look the exact same. Frankie Kazarian against Christopher Daniels. I love this match. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, really, really good. I suppose no wonder because look at the two guys that are in it. Mm. Like they're the two best wrestlers, the most travelled wrestlers. Frankie's still cool in this match. Mm. That's still going. A lot of headlocks. Yeah, a lot of headlocks. I suppose it needs to fill time. Yeah. Maybe they wanted to take a break because they did. They did some cool stuff. It was like it was like they took a an X division match of the time, maybe a few years in like oh five. But yeah, they paced out a little bit more with the headlocks and stuff like that. Like they they didn't just squeeze it into like a four minute television match. It was it was really good. I liked it. I don't really have a lot to say because mm. it was really good. Like there's no yeah. like fuck ups. There's nothing like funny in the match. It was just a straight up wrestling match between the two. I think the crowd started taking Kazarian seriously after that match he wasn't just kind of this jokey bad boy they started to see him as a a proper contender one of my favourite things was after Frankie won and the guy stands up in the front row and he's dancing to you're the best around that was FUBU guy I'm crying now but I watched it <laughs> and I had to pause it because I, I, I was crying with laughter and I'm like that's what I looked like at shows <laughs> and he was having the time of his life he was so happy he was happy. having fun I feel a connection to him now <laughs> and he stands out even more because there's not that many people there so when, he, yeah. when one dude stands up you actually really notice it because of the sparsity if you're right there, Fubu. Fubu? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Fubu, sir? He was pretty solid. <laughs> <laughs> so a very good straight-up wrestling match leading us into an absolutely wild match between Joey Ryan and Super Dragon. 
This was insanity. This is like the first match of the podcast. I think I can say I really love this match. What I really loved about it at the start, I this is what I kind of took from it. It's nearly like Super Dragon was like, ha ha, fuck you, you're the techno wizard. No bitch, I'm going to teach you a yeah. lesson. And then it just went from there and went to 100. Yeah. Like after that. This is genuinely the best Joey Ryan match I've ever seen. It's, he's absolutely, yeah, it's brilliant. And Super Dragon beating up Joey Ryan will never, ever get old. And it'll never not be amazing. I thought Joey was even great coming out at the start. Like, he, he might have genuinely been, but he looked so nervous yeah. that he was like being sent to his death <laughs> against Super Dragon. And like even at the start of the match, he squares up to Super Dragon and he slaps him. And even then, he looks terrified that he just did that. Yeah. Like, what the fuck have I just done? And Super Dragon just lays into him. And it's just a match format that I always love, which is the... We talked about it in the previous Joey Ryan match. He's the young, whitey baby face. People are talking about what a great technical wizard he is, but now he has to fight. He has to take his lumps, and it's the classic wrestling thing of endearing yourself by taking the beating and getting up constantly. Yeah. This match had 10 million kickouts at two in a good way. Like, it's just you couldn't believe it every time he kicked out. I think it might be my favourite Joey Ryan singles match I think I can ever remember. And I did not expect it to come in this form uh, at this early in PWG's run. It was great because Dragon threw everything at him. I mean, God, the the double knees off the top oh. rope to the floor. Oh, my that God. That looked so painful. Like, you really believed when Dragon walked off limping. You really believed. Ow. Oh, he rolled his ankle for yeah. sure. <laughs> like, even at one point, Dragon has Joey in a hold. And Joey just has to kick a Dragon to get out. And then he does it. But then Super Dragon just fucks him across and out of the ring. There's one of that like where he has Joey's head between his legs. Yeah. And he's just punching him in the back of the head. And like literally punching him. Oh my god. There's lots of little things like that. Like I think Super Dragon might be the perfect guy for that match format where it's the youngster taking his lumps. Because there was another spot where uh, Brian gets the ropes on either a submission or a pin. And Dragon rolls off him. And then Dragon goes back to pull him off the ropes and he just holds on. And the crowd cheers him holding on to the ropes like I'm not going to break... And again, Dragon just slaps him on the back of the head. Dragon will, will always do those little things where he'll just give you a little kick in the face or a little slap across the mouth or all these little just mean things that makes a match like this really pop. God, it was, it was, it was really great. I will say the crowd does not understand dueling chants. <laughs> um, it was, let's go Super Dragon and then, but just people shouting, Joey! <laughs> <laughs> Over the Super Dragon. But the crowd were definitely into it. The finish then was definitely rushed, like the pin... Just straight in, roll them in after that sick bump at the end. Oh. I thought it was just really clever. You think? Um, yeah. To give context to what this move was, I think we'll have to put a clip of it yeah. for people to see it because yeah. I've never seen such a reckless move in my life. They were up on the turnbuckle and Joey Ryan hit Super Dragon with a swing netbreaker to the floor outside and the two of them just crash down. Joey Ryan rolls him into the ring and pins him. I thought that was perfect because I think that has to be the finish. Yeah. It's what a, do you do after that? It, it is always the weird thing when you do a big mat move like that to the floor. Like, it should be the finish. You then have that kind of awkward 20 seconds of getting them in. But yeah, I agree. They, they shouldn't have done anything after that because it looked and sounded like death. And have you ever seen Joey Ryan do anything off a top rope? <laughs> Why did you think it was rushed? What happened afterwards? People coming out. They looked like they were genuinely... Hurt. I thought it was a clever touch, yeah. I thought they did it on purpose to, to, to sell the, the magnitude of the violence of the match. 
and the way Super Dragon went to the back was incredible. Amazing. Like he was crawling, he tried to get up, he kept falling over, but he still wouldn't let Excalibur help him up. He, yeah, he pushed Excalibur away. His team uh, cheese, my brother. Also, in this match, Super Dragon hit like a pump handle driver, yeah. which mm. someone needs to steal. That was an incredible move. I actually always liked Joey's pump handle suplex, so he does like over top. He did that into the buckles, which was always really cool. Yeah, he had a few flourishes where he's like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick your ass. Like, I'm tough. Like, you know, it was, ah, it was great. What a match. Like, it's stuff like this. And you're, you look at Joey Ryan and you're like, you have it in you. You have, you, you have this talent in you to be a great wrestler. Why can he not do that more often? Where did it go? What happened? Because he stopped being that character after a few years and he's been kind of, teeing into the same sort of sleazy gimmick you know with the who wants a moustache ride and, and all that sort of thing like what happened it could well be just that he was in there with Super Dragon as well because my takeaway from this weekend I knew Super Dragon for the character or the myth of Super Dragon this weekend the matches just made me realise how good a wrestler he was I was not sure of that he was the star this weekend like all his matches were put together so well like maybe a bit too long, but I enjoyed all three of them. Emma, any Super Dragon thoughts? Um, he's just very good, isn't he? <laughs> Agreed. After that match, we had a kind of a nice come down with the nice iconic, you know, loser six-man tag match. First of its kind. With uh, Disco Machine, M-Dog and Scorpio Sky against Taro, Scott Lost and Tony Cozina. M-Dog dancing. He's showing a bit of character, guys. When M-Dog, he comes out in a disco machine mask. I love these these guys. They're amazing. I liked how Disco got the two guys to dance with him. Yes. And he was the worst dancer. That was amazing. So um, Scorpio does some... A worm. He does a worm. M-Dog does some some b-boy moves and a -a spinneroonie. And <laughs> Disco Machine does a kip-up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I loved it. <laughs> and some Saturday Night Fever kind of hands. And out come the weirdest team I've ever seen in my life <laughs> of Taro, Scott Lost and Tony Cozina. It just didn't look right. The way they came out was cool, though, because all three of them walked through the curtain at the very same time and it, it looked cool. And if they were any other team, <laughs> it would look really good. I did like uh, Scorpio Sky breaking out the rule book at the beginning of this match. Yes. And saying that you have to ban the button. That was the big thing, ban the button. I suppose it is kind of like a Bane-esque thing that uh, does, it, does it charge him full of some illegal substance or something? Or I don't know. But... It makes him big. Yeah. It makes then him that's... big and strong. Is he testing though before he goes out? You know, is that button subject to regulations in Southern California? I don't know. Tara then outsmarted him though. Outfoxed him. Yeah. When he read further on in the rule book <laughs> that in fact all buttons are legal, which the crowd were more than happy to chant along with him. Oh man. I thought this match was, was really fun. I think it was needed. You can't obviously go straight into the main event. And it was fun. Everyone in this match it was a good time. And I really want an X Foundation shirt. <laughs> I just thought they were really cool. All their gear was cool. Like uh, the singlets that the yeah. three of them came out, they were very cool. I really want one. It looks very like X-Men comics and the cartoons. I wonder um, who was the <laughs> I thought this was a very good showcase of Scott Lost. Mm. He really 
um, had the upper hand, obviously, as the tal- most talented wrestler <laughs> of the six, which... Um, Sorry, I'm Doug. <laughs> <laughs> he was brilliant. M Dog, the most talented dancer, maybe? Because that, yeah. that Spinneroni was excellent. Right, yeah, hey, fun. we've not seen Tony Casina dance. <laughs> we got our six man dives as well, where yeah. everyone yeah. does their, their little jump to the outside. And Scott, to Emma's point, Scott last did, like, I guess what you would now call like a phenomenal forearm to the outside. So he's like, just his form when he does his dives, he just looks like. Like a perfect like video game animation or something like he's so so cool. Yeah, it ends and they seem like they're all friends at the end. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of the the prototype of of this format of match that we'll see for like years to come. Wacky teams that don't really make any sense other than they're all losers. Comedy dives and then they're all pals. When it's yeah, all with, with like, like two serious wrestlers put in there yeah. and you get to see their their softer side. And finally, we have our tournament final. To crown the inaugural PWG world champion, Joey Ryan against the future Frankie Kazarian. Frankie Kazarian, he's called the future for a very long time. He was like the future in 2005. <laughs> well, he was so futuristic, time never caught up. Is that his obsession with Back to the Future? Yeah, yeah, I think that was literally just it, wasn't it? it was... Does he have so. one? It's he has a move and it's named after the thing that they put into the car. Oh, oh, no, the flux, flux capacitor. Oh, that's what the Spanish fly is called. Yes. It's the flux capacitor, yeah. He's, he was the Kenny Williams of his day, I guess. Kushida. Kushida. Alright, sorry, excuse me. Kenny Williams <laughs> also does. Williams. Yeah. I, I like Kenny Williams. No, it's not that we dislike him, but Kushida is the Back to the Future guy. Japan. Joshi King here is Joshi. Whatever. Kushida has to Gucci dressed up as a dog. I don't know why I said Joshi there, but okay. So anyway, back to the future. Fans. Frankie yeah. Kazarian had a time splitter. Frankie Kazarian, the time splitter we like to call him. Oh, um. oh no! So oh. yeah, Joey Ryan comes out, ribs wrapped, arm dead. Basically, He's definitely favoring his arm. Looks like either his shoulder or his, his elbow. He looks beaten up. He really does. And when he comes out. He looks like he can't take any more. I don't know how this is the same Joey Ryan. <laughs> I know, yeah. Like, he was so good on this show. Yeah. Uh, selling everything, not, not like in the ring, but as a character. He looked like he'd come from the war that he had. Like when he was high-fiving fans, it was like they were hurting him with each high-five. And yeah, it wasn't over the top. It wasn't like he was dragging one arm <laughs> behind him. Or like with this kind of limp put upon him. He genuinely looked exactly how he should have looked after the match that we watched with Super Dragon. And I think it says a lot that at this time in his career that they had the faith in him. With all the talent that they brought in for these two nights. And then the crowd did believe that he could do it. What do you what do you think about the decision for it to be Kazarian in that sense? Because obviously it was very early for Joey. Like I think I like I always like the story of the young guy who goes very far but doesn't doesn't quite make it. I always like that. But Kazarian didn't really have a super interesting story throughout the story compared to Joey Ryan um, like with, with the super he's dragon. Cool. <laughs> well, listen, Back to the Future is a good movie. I'm not disputing nobody's disputing that. And nobody's disputing his coolness. I always thought, before I watched these old shows, I always thought it was kind of an odd trivia note that Kazarian was the first PWG champion. Very strange. Certainly, like, super reliable. And if you can get him for all your shows and you want a guy who you know can have a good main event, like he had with AJ and he had here, like, that's fine. But odd, yeah, especially because the crowd were so into Joey coming into it. I think you just explained the way he was the champion, though. You guys yeah. answered my own question. Um, but he is the solid hand, mm. and he could have a good-ish match with probably anyone that would like, fly in if it's a big name or a local guy 
and he's the best around. His song said it, so we probably should have guessed it from the beginning. Foreshadowing. Yeah. yeah. I can't help but wonder if Samoa Joe had have been fit to compete at the last show and Frankie hadn't stepped in in the main event, would we be seeing the same mm-hmm. final? Maybe not, though, because Joe's commitments with Ring of Honor, maybe, would they have gotten in the way? Like, he was champion there, maybe? Not Could necessarily have... that Joe would have won, but would he have even been booked? Yeah. Kaz. Did, yeah. Like, yeah. did he really show something in the first show? Who Let's would go. you guys have had a champion if it wasn't Frankie? Joey then? Ryan. Joey. Yeah. yeah. No, I thought it was way too early. I guess it would depend on how long you might have had Daniels. Right. Um, yeah. Maybe I would I, have put that's, it I would have put Daniels yeah. ahead of Kazarian. Yeah. Like for me, it goes Christopher Daniels, Hook Bomberry. Scott <laughs> lost. No, actually, Scott lost, Hook Bomberry, Christopher Daniels. Yeah. 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 Little Cholo, I think, <laughs> could have. He wasn't booked, was he? <laughs> <laughs> Interesting thing about that time, though, when it's kind of almost like parallel to today. Who could you get to commit to X amount of dates? Like you, so you reference more Joe's ROH commitments. That's also true of Daniels. TNA was in full swing at this time, and AJ was their guy. Kazarian, you know, we can get him. He's good. Uh, he impressed us. But when we were in a bind for that first show, he impressed us. So yeah. But Is he local? Is he California? SCU. Okay. <laughs> That's a yes. <laughs> um, we haven't actually talked about the match, but Frankie Kazarian wins. <laughs> yes, if, if you haven't gleaned that. Very like. Standard takes advantage of Joey's obvious ailments, injuries. It's kind of a class. Sorry, it's a classic thing to go to in a tournament to have a competitor broken down and beaten up, and something's happened to them to get to the finals. We see it a lot, and it's kind of nice to see that person that lose because mm. I feel like a lot of times they overcome the odds yeah. and they fight through it and they win. No, he was beaten up in his last match. He is not able to be at a hundred percent, and then it goes plays. What if he was at a hundred percent? Could he have beaten Frankie Kazarian? And it kind of builds up to that future instead of making Kazarian look bad by losing to uh, 70% Joey Ryan. Yeah, I agree with that. This might sound weird, but I don't think the tournament final should ever be the best match of the tournament. Like Both That's guys true. should be beaten up. They've gotten to... And it should never be the longest match either. Mm-hmm. It should be like 10-15 minutes. They're both spent... The story of this Joey Ryan being so beaten up, it made a lot of sense for like Kazarian to put him away in like a relatively short time. Yeah, it was like a tight like fourteen-ish minutes, and it was the format was exactly it was good, but it was basic. He worked over the ribs, didn't have states welcome at all. So Barry, you don't think we owe Sarah an apology for running down Kazarian <laughs> last show? Running you... down is a strong. I was just kind of you know surprise more so than you know bothered by him he was really good he was really good on, on the show and especially because one of the things we talked about a lot on the first show was we talked a lot about indiness and in terms of gear in terms of matches he fits in in that daniel's kind of aj group where you go like no this guy's this guy's a pro wrestler like this guy's an actual pro wrestler we'll call that half an apology <laughs> do you feel vindicated <laughs> i always just feel like he had something about him and he is the reliable hand he always was in any company he went to, like T- TNA, he was a solid hand for all those X Division matches. If you needed like someone to make someone else look good, he was your guy. And I think that's perfect for a company starting out that you know that you're going to get a certain quality from him. And that's definitely what he brought to his early days in PWG. Yeah, so vindicated. <laughs> a nice end to the two nights, I think. It was a solid two shows. Not the best wrestler in the world but it was never going to be with some of those guys in there. Yeah, 
that for what they had in terms of some of the your hardcore kids and stuff like that, they, it was an all right spread of wrestling across the, the the two nights. I thought, and as you said with the the Ryan thing, some little stuff planted for later. Like okay, he he had this incredible performance, but he didn't quite win. But now is he in that mix with the top guys? It was a good close, and Excalibur came out and presented the championship he, was he calling it the sash and bananas is that what he was calling it <laughs> he, yeah he said because frankie you win the sash and bananas like i assume that was some kind of pro wrestling gorilla reference a very odd way to describe this uh this allegedly loaned belt and did he proclaim kazarian was a badass mother 3000 he was the badass mother 3000 yeah in that manner that as you said felt like oh is this gonna be a thing yes which it doesn't turn out to be. <laughs> because even the first bola isn't for another two years. Right. I wonder what would have happened if Funky Billy Kim was in the <laughs> tournament instead of Joey Ryan. We may never know, unfortunately. I assume that's why he wasn't in, because it would have been too obvious who would win. <laughs> <laughs> the Funky one. Yeah. I will say at the end of it, I was exhausted. Yeah, it was a slog. It was. It was a slog. I don't know if it's... Harder to sit through these because I feel we have to pay more attention because yeah. we have to talk about them. There's so much going on. The commentators are being ridiculous. The fans are fighting with each other and then there's a match happening in the middle of it all. Closing thoughts? It's going to be interesting now to see where they go from here. Frankie is champion. Joey coming up just short after an unreal match against Super Dragon. All the different factions. Team Cheesemo, like, what are they going to do? We didn't see any sort of thing from them. You can see there's a little bit of progression happening now and they're laying the seeds for stuff to come in the future i'm getting more comfortable with what's going on in pwg now and yeah, you're sort of getting to know the cast of characters yeah, yeah. and they have a decent now vision for who they want to be the notable people as well you can see it taking shape but it's still so different to what we consider pwg like yeah. it's just a normal indie with you know they have their little feuds and stuff like that but it's not pwg yet as we know it. i suppose for all of listeners who are maybe familiar with the Irish in OTT early days they had the Irish characters and the factions going on that people might not have known so it's kind of and the shitty uh, lights and the yeah. shitty, shitty lights and gear and, and all you, that sort using of thing. the mainstays of the local scene that quickly lost their position when the worldwide names were coming in once it kind of became the the international not, or even just the national all the top US stars came to PWG Little Cholo, I don't think he had the staying power once, Once you know, Brian Danielson was a regular and th- people like that. You know, Tago Hamasad, no? <laughs> <laughs> That's enough of that. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry Little Cholo, if you're listening. <laughs> so that about wraps up this weekend. Uh, our first ever doubleheader, and I am absolutely exhausted. I hope you're not as tired out listening to our voices. <laughs> our next episode will be covering Are You Adequately Prepared to Rock? featuring Frankie Kazarian's first title defence. I'm sure we're all looking forward to that. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> He's so cool. Once again, if you want to get in contact with us, our Twitter is at Gorilla Island. The email is gorillaisland at gmail.com and you can follow me at Zig on the Rocks. At Sarah Flan. At the Barry Lad. At O underscore Emma G. Yay! <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time on Journey Through Grill Island. Bye. Bye.